For more information about this episode, you can just Google Joshua Shea. The last name is S-H-E-A. He is a pornography addiction um, educator. Check him out. Um, Check out the other podcast we did together. And, well, hey, check this podcast out. It's episode 162. Check it out. This is just the introduction. Telling you to check it out. So stay tuned after after the introduction and actually check it out. (laughs) All right. The rest of the episode is about to begin now. My name is Larry Ice. Welcome to White Confused, Black and Christian, the podcast. This episode 162, my guest is Joshua Shea. He's a returning guest. We talked before in a different episode. I'm not sure what episode number it was, but this episode here, we're going to focus on one of his books. And um, matter of fact, I'll let him get into it and tell you what the name of the book is and everything. Uh, Josh? Thanks, Larry. Hi, I'm Josh Shea. I'm the co-author of He's a Porn Addict, Now What?, an expert and a former addict answer your questions and this is my second book uh the first one was a autobiography and i wrote that book thinking that it was going to be the only book i wrote about my journey with pornography addiction so my first book came out in i think it was january 2018 and within a couple months i started getting feedback and i expected to get some feedback i had my website up and uh, I got some feedback from addicts but it shocked me that more than half the feedback I got was from partners and from wives and girlfriends wanting to know hey you've you've been an addict you recovered do you think that my husband is a porn addict do you think my boyfriend is a porn addict well he just admitted to me he's an addict what do I do now and all these different questions and it really surprised me because I didn't anticipate that happening Um, so I uh, started going on podcasts to promote my book and I doing other things and it never slowed down as far as the partners thing I was always getting uh, responses from partners and I guess it makes sense if you think about it because if you are a porn addict or at least an active porn addict you're still trying to hide it if you're in there if you're in therapy for your porn addiction you probably don't necessarily need to reach out to somebody like me but there are no resources out there for the partners of porn addicts and I realized this and I was talking to a friend of mine who is a therapist uh, out in California and we were talking about our experiences uh, with porn addiction with talking to people and he said to me something that my own therapist said once is that you get a lot of people when you're sitting across from them in a session who will at some point blurt out, you don't know how I really feel, you've never been in my situation. You don't know how I feel, you're not an addict. And this could be true with any kind of addiction. And my own therapist has said that she's heard this many times. And, and it makes sense. And there are times where I felt like yelling it at my therapist that you are totally reading the situation wrong. If you would only be an addict, you'd know what I'm talking about. Uh, conversely, when people have reached out to me for help and I do some coaching and advising on the side uh, for people in this situation, I am sometimes a little bit leery of offering too much direct advice as far as a 
uh, therapeutic point of view. I don't want to tell you, well, you should go to your doctor and check out this drug or this drug, or you need to do X, Y, and Z because I don't have the experience of dealing with that many people. I have the experience of dealing with myself. I don't have schooling behind this aside from everything that I've read and researched. Um, I can quote statistics all day long, but I just don't have the experience of dealing with people. So uh, Tony, who is my co-author, he and I were talking about this little uh, interesting place we found ourselves. And I just said to him, you know, the, the only books out there for partners are usually written by a woman who has gone through it. And sometimes it's a happy ending, sometimes it's not a happy ending, but it's only her point of view of what happened with her specific partner. I said, wouldn't it be interesting if we took the, the partner's point of view out of it and we talked about the addict's point of view and then we also talked about the uh, therapist's point of view. So let's talk about two point of views that aren't out there. Let's put them into one book and let's make this as simple as possible. So we created a book that is literally just 65 questions that I get asked the most, he gets asked the most. And we went through a few uh, online forums like Reddit. There are a couple specific websites out there for women who are in this situation. And we got the most popular questions. And then literally Tony and I just ran through them, answering them. Both and, what, right. and, what, and one of the things that was important to me was that Tony and I not see each other's answers. Uh, oh. I, at, at, the, at the end of the book, I said, you know, let's make sure that we're not, I'm not saying night and you're not saying day. I'm not saying white and you're saying black. We cannot be diametrically opposed, but we can be a little bit different in our answers. And I think that's actually going to be helpful. So what was interesting was we both wrote our halves of the book and then I, I was the one who put them together for their publisher and I was reading through it and I said, you know, Tony, I think this is actually going to be really good because we are probably, uh, we're either directly on the same page, but we never go more than 20, 25% off the same page. And on those places that we do go off the same page, I don't know if it's off the same page or just kind of on tangents that are a little different and uh, the feedback we got has been absolutely wonderful that book came out uh, the soft cover version came out in December 2019 the hardcover and the Kindle came out in January 2020 and, and despite the fact that I know that the coronavirus COVID thing did hurt our sales uh, we've done very well. Uh, we've been a bestseller on Amazon in many different departments in oh, several several different countries, uh, which is you know very cool to say that at one point I had the you know best sexual health rated book in Australia, uh, ah, okay. and uh, you know even though you know I, I probably will never go there. At least there are people reading about it. Um, so uh, the, the book came out, the book has done very well. I just personally released an online course that if you go to my website at recoveringpornaddict.com is based on the book. If you uh, don't like to read, but you're a partner with, a, with an issue uh, with a porn addicted spouse or boyfriend, you can go onto my website and you'll see an online course that essentially for the price of the book you can take and it teaches you the same information. Uh, it, it just tries to drive home, you know, the headlines, the most important questions, because everybody's situation is a little bit different. 
Um, but we try to tell the story in a way where, in a general enough way that you can uh, personalize it for yourself. Well, well, so how does the course work? Is the course from, is the course where the, the husband and, 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 you know, the two partners, they do their answers separately too, or how does that no, work? The course is specifically designed for partners only. Uh, and essentially what I do is I run, there are, uh, along with an introduction and a conclusion, there are 10 modules. Each module features a lecture on a, on a different topic. Uh, the lecture is between five and 10 minutes. And then there is a worksheet that goes with each lecture. And the worksheet is designed to help you personalize the situation. Uh, for instance, if we're talking about forming boundaries and how boundaries can help you force your partner into recovery or force him to decide whether he wants to work on the relationship or if he wants to just go into his world of porn, um, the worksheet helps you decide what is a good boundary, decide what is a good uh, consequence of not keeping the boundary. And it helps you uh, personalize that particular module of information that you had. And it's only been out as we, uh, as you and I taped this, it's only been out about three weeks. Uh, about three dozen people have already purchased it, getting some really good reviews on it already. So hopefully much like the book, it's out there and it's helping people. Uh, I think that there are just so few resources yeah. Uh, for the partners, and they're they're kind of left hanging out there. Uh, that this is this is an untapped market, and it's sad that it's an untapped market because uh, when it comes to pornography addiction, partners are affected in a way that they aren't affected with some other uh, addictions. You know, if your husband is a heroin addict, you're not asking yourself if you're not enough in the bedroom. You know, if your boyfriend is a gambling addict, you don't look in the mirror and wonder if you're not pretty enough. Right, um, you, you know, it's 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 that kind of thing. So uh, I think that you know, thankfully, I yeah, this stuff is out there. Thankfully, we're talking about it a little bit more. Um, but you know, women need to recognize who have partners of porn addicts that there is help out there for them. They need to get the help. Um, when you are with an addict, no matter what kind of addict, everybody around the addict gets sick and everybody around the addict needs some level of care afterwards. And that's really after watching my wife go through this with me seven years ago um, and hearing so many other stories, it just, it seemed like a no brainer to put out this book and then subsequently put out this uh, course. Well, I, I like it because like you said, it says, because the, the the title itself is like it opens everything up. Hey, I'm a porn addict. You know now what? You know it, it, it's out. It is what it is. What can we do? You know, my either me personally or me and my partner. What can we do now? It's there. Right. It's an issue. Let's crack this shit open and, and and figure it out. Right. Well, and we wrote the book with the idea that while we are essentially talking to the female partner of a male addict because that is uh, largely the demographic, 
the biggest audience. Uh, the, the fact is, you could have a, a gay or lesbian couple that this applies to. You could have a husband who doesn't know what to do about his wife's porn addiction. And you can also be a mother or a sister or a brother or a priest or a rabbi. And this will give you a ton of answers. I mean, I, I believe that a porn addict themselves can look at this book if they have a lot of questions about what they need to do next because we talk about it. Uh, you know, I've, I've made the joke a lot of times, uh, and I may have even done it on your on the last episode we did together, but I could never write a book for porn addicts because the only way I'd get them to buy it is if I titled it, no, I swear this book isn't for me. I'm buying this book for a friend. Right, yeah, it's embarrassing sometimes. Because nobody, nobody's going to be like, oh, well, I can't wait to walk this up to the register. <laughs> it's it's like trying to buy condoms when you're 17. You, you throw in the gum and a magazine and a flashlight and some batteries and hope they don't notice the condoms in there. Or, you know, when you try to buy a Playboy magazine, you throw in seven other magazines and hope it blends in. And so, yeah, ultimately, I hope hope that anybody out there listening who may be a porn addict, you know, you can pick up this book and it has a lot of answers for you. Whether I'm telling your girlfriend the answer or I'm telling you the answer, it's the same answer. Okay. I, I, I man, I, I love the approach. I, um, like I said before, I love the boldness of it. Um, the title itself is, is, I'm really stuck in that title because like you said, I've, I've talked to people before about drug addiction and it's, that's kind of hard to talk about. Like you said before, you know, alcohol, you got problems with alcohol that comes out. This, this porn stuff is, uh, that's a whole new animal. So, so let me ask you a question. Okay, so you said there, you had the book is based on about 25 of the most popular questions, right? 65, 65, 65. Can you, can you give us a couple of them? Like a couple that come to your head that were? Yeah, well, I mean, we start with the most commonly asked question. The most commonly asked questions are number one, is porn addiction real? Uh, why is pornography bad? And did I cause this or what is my role in it? And number one, it, why is pornography bad? Well, you know, I can point 150 different uh, studies to you and show you why porn is bad. Porn statistically uh, and historically and anecdotally is bad for relationships. It is bad for your personal health. It is bad for your mental health. I have yet to see one report about why porn is good for you. Wow. Uh, you know, porn does not provide any positive for you. It's a lot like drinking. There's no reason to drink. Even if you just have one or two, even if it's still, you can keep it under control, there's no reason to. It's much like cigarettes. There's no reason to ever have a single cigarette. One won't kill you, but one is not healthy for you. Um, Porn is not healthy. It's just, it, it, it's really not debatable. Will it kill you? Probably not. Most people can handle it, but it's not good for you. Uh, is it a real addiction? Absolutely. And we know more and more about this now. We know that the same thing is happening in people's brains uh, when it comes to porn addiction that happens with any other addiction. Oh, that light, uh, that part of lights up in your brain. I've seen something about that. The part of lights up when you get excited about a drug or 
Is that you're talking about the same type of yeah same exactly exactly you well you've got you've got your pleasure centers yeah, 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 and yeah. your your dopamine your oxytocin your serotonin your other little uh you know chemicals running around in there and you know how to light it up and people use pornography the same way that they use other addictive uh substances as something of an escape something of a coping mechanism um you know in the case of pornography depending on the exact study you read 90 to 94 percent of porn addicts have some kind of unresolved uh trauma usually from childhood uh not necessarily not necessarily sexual uh trauma it can be physical it can be uh mental or emotional uh from abuse but um it's 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 a band-aid addiction is a band-aid and uh it's it's the same with with porn as it is with heroin as it is with gambling as it is with food it just it tickles those places in your brain so absolutely it's real and then the big question of what did i have to do with this the answer is absolutely nothing and it's hard for some women to believe because they have partners who are into gaslighting them and for anybody who doesn't know what gaslighting means you're probably i'm, I'm hearing it more and more in society now yeah, as, as a, a catch-all term but uh gaslighting the term comes from a movie from 1942 called gaslight and in this in this movie um the the main character the male is trying to make his wife think that she's crazy he wants to get her basically institutionalized so he can steal all her wealth and run away with the maid and uh what he does every night is that this is back in 1942 keep in mind he turns down the gas just a little bit in the lights in the house so every night the lights get a little dimmer and a little dimmer and she starts bringing it up to him do you notice it's like getting darker he's like no something may be wrong with you and the next okay. night a little bit darker is it getting darker no what is wrong with you what are you are you sick are you okay and the next night something oh my god baby what's wrong <laughs> something's wrong with your mind right. and that's what a lot of porn addicts do to their wives and their girlfriends is that they make them feel like they're crazy do you, do you have a problem with pornography of course not guys just look at porn yeah. you know it, it it's it maybe maybe if you had more sex with me i wouldn't need to look at this kind of porn or maybe if you kept yourself in shape i wouldn't have to look at porn maybe if you did some of the things that these girls did in these videos i wouldn't have to look at them and frankly that's just a load of crap um and for, for a whole bunch of reasons um that we can get into but ultimately uh this is what gaslighting is it's about making the other person think that they're crazy right. by turning it around on them uh it's you know hey it's it's a lot what we see in politics these days where you know you can flip on fox news and you get one story you flip on cnn yeah, yeah, you get yeah. the absolute opposite story and it's like you put these people in a room and they are insane if you didn't if you didn't follow news at all and you listen to both sides of things you'd have no idea what was true and that's kind of the case of gaslighting you listen to the partner you listen to the addict it's a completely opposite story and he's trying to make the woman feel like she is insane and that she's got the problem and it's all in her head when it absolutely isn't now i can only go back i didn't gaslight my wife very much uh because porn just never really came up very much uh in, in our relationship right until the point that uh, i went and got help 
but I've, you know, talked to so many women who hear this from their partners, hear the blame, hear the, well, maybe if you did this or this. And the fact is, these guys were porn addicts long before they met you. I know that I became a porn addict within the first five minutes of seeing it when I was about 11 or 12 years old. Now, I met my wife when I was 25 or 26 years old. You tell me how if I was a porn addict for 12, 13, 14 years, how this woman coming into my life could have anything to do with my porn addiction. She absolutely doesn't. She has nothing to do with it. And that's the thing that I, that's the most important thing for partners to understand is that you have nothing to do with his addiction. You did not create his addiction. Your, your uh, choices, the things that you do or don't do, do not exacerbate his condition. His condition is his condition. And I, I, I tell women who are like, well, he wants me to get more kinky in bed or he wants me to do more crazy stuff. And it's like, that just means he's a man. That has nothing to do with pornography addiction. The fact is, you could bring in two of your hottest friends dressed as cheerleaders and have a great old time in bed. Yeah. And I and you know what's going to happen tomorrow night? Tomorrow night, he's going to want you to bring three of your friends into bed. And the following night, he's going to want you to bring four of your friends into yeah. bed. Because none of this is going to cure his porn addiction because yeah. his porn addiction is not about intercourse. Yeah. Porn addiction isn't actually about sex. It's not about sex whatsoever um it's just that so many people uh uh you know confuse the two things because well what's what's the deal with the end of sex it's an orgasm what's the deal of the end of a a, a, a time of watching porn it's an orgasm it's the checkered flag that lets you know that you're done but that's really all there is in common the reason he looks at porn has nothing to do with you it has nothing to do with the things that you will or won't do in bed it has nothing to do with the way you look the way you dress uh, it has everything to do with his addiction and you had nothing to do with the addiction and that's that's really the most important thing and that's the thing that you know we drive home uh, time and time again um, another thing that we you know we really try to drive home and not take a side on it is there are people who will find out that their partner is a porn addict and they will go running for the hills and want to have nothing to do with it and then there are people who will find out that their partner is a porn addict and he will do nothing about it. He won't try to get better. He won't go into recovery. He just makes, you know, their life even more of a living hell than it already is. And they won't go, they won't force him into help. They won't leave. They won't do anything um, to, to try to get him help. So what we, what we really do in this book is try to say, you know, instead of running away or instead of ignoring, just pause and take a step back and think about the situation. You need to develop a strategy. Once you find out that your partner is a porn addict, or once you decide that you can't live like this anymore and you want to give it a shot uh, to fix things, you need to step back and make a strategy. You may end up, you know, my wife and I are happier than we've ever been now. We've been married 17 years uh, and the last six years have been the best because I got I, I went into recovery um, but there are people who try and do not succeed going to marriage counseling uh, even if the husband you know becomes recovered because we have to also keep in mind that 
there are plenty of marriages that end that have nothing to do with recovery, that have nothing to do with addiction. A lot of times, marriages just aren't compatible. People aren't compatible. And the problem in your marriage may not be his addiction. One of the things that when I deal with women uh, in one-on-one -on -one scenario, uh, or when and I, I'm in uh, a Reddit room, quite a bit talking with partners. One of the things that I drive home is that you have to figure out, does he have an addiction? Simply because he is looking at porn and you don't like porn, doesn't mean it's an addiction. Right. And that's that's the thing that a lot of women, you know, well, I've told him since we've been married, we've been married four years and I've caught him using porn three times. And I told him when we were dating, I didn't like pornography. So what can I do about his porn addiction? And it's like, well, the first thing you can do is figure out if he has a porn addiction because right. you're not describing addiction to me. You're just describing a guy who's going behind his wife's back and doing something she doesn't like, right. which, you know, that can be eating sweets, that can be eating meat if you're a you know vegetarian family that can be all kinds of different things it doesn't mean that it's an addiction it can be a sticking point it can be one of those things that you need him to stop or you're going to leave him if he doesn't stop but it doesn't necessarily make it an addiction and that's one thing that i always try i always preach to partners is you really need to see that this fits addiction if you're going to treat it like addiction it's okay to hate porn it's yeah. okay to view it as unhealthy it's absolutely okay to demand from your partner that they not look at pornography but it doesn't mean that they're an addict if they do um, it's just it's a, a different way of dealing with things uh if they are versus if they aren't so that's what you deal with too in the book like so with the questions you deal with the whole aspect of first Hey, before we even go down this whole road here, let's just stop and see first if this is an addiction before we go right. down the whole Absolutely. That, well, that's the thing is that we have to talk almost about philosophy first. Yeah. You know, what is pornography? You know, my husband isn't looking at uh, Playboy magazines. My husband isn't looking at, uh, you know, X-rated video on the internet. But boy, my husband loves looking at, you know, uh, bodybuilding magazines with women in them. And I've caught him masturbating to these magazines. Is this really porn? And it's like, well, who cares if it's porn? If he's doing this, you don't like it. It's causing problems. You know, who cares if it's pornography? Uh, I, I, I think there is a level that we can all agree what porn is. Porn is that trip stuff of people having sex and you know we, we often know porn when we see it but there's also the pornography of just the intent behind pornography and to me pornography is anything visual or anything that stimulates the senses because it can be it can be an audiobook uh, anything that stimulates the senses to the point of uh, promoting sexual release to me is pornography that can be a bodybuilding magazine it can be those chat lines too right those chat abs abs absolutely it can it can be the swimsuit issue from play from sports illustrated you can you know if if watching the view or one of these women's talk shows if you're sitting in front of the tv masturbating to it because you think they're hot what is the difference between that being pornography and a triple x movie being pornography there really isn't so you know, I urge uh, the partners to not get too hung up 
in the definition of pornography uh, because you know it's it's no healthier uh or no less healthy that he's using you know x material versus y material versus z material it's really the intent behind the material and even if it's not quote unquote classic pornography uh it doesn't mean that there's not a problem there and that's the and that's the course that's your course was designed to do it's designed to get to the just the root like you said not not pointing fingers as to what's what's better and what's worse pornography wise but let's just get to the root from her view after his view and, and get some answers well and that that's exactly it. one of the things that uh my, my partner tony in the book really focuses on is that when he does therapy the first one of the first things he has to do when he sits down with either an addict or or the partner or them together is figure out what terminology is going to be okay with them because he, he'll flat out I don't care if you call yourself an addict. There are a lot of people who will not get help because they feel like they're going to be labeled as an addict or that, you know, now they have an addiction or they have a pornography addiction. And they don't, they won't get help if they think that they're going to be labeled a porn addict, if they think that they're going to be, you know, destined for 12 step groups and have this, you know, uh, scarlet letter they have to wear their whole life. So whether they're an addict or not, you know, he, he says, I don't care what you call it because ultimately addiction is really just when you see negative repercussions of your behavior of a certain behavior either around a substance or 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 another or a behavior that has negative results but you can't stop your internal mechanisms will not allow you to stop despite understanding that there are likely to be negative consequences and this happens again and again no matter if you make bargains with yourself if you try to quit on your own and can't uh if willpower is not part of it uh, you know that's basically an addiction but so don't call it an addiction call it an obsession call it a hobby gone wrong call it a bad habit call it whatever you you know say that you're a pretty princess and this is just your kingdom gone bad you know whatever you want to call it is fine the label doesn't matter what matters is the help that you're getting behind it and that's unfortunately what a lot what stops a lot of people is that kind of labeling so uh you know in the book and in the course you know we talk about the fact that it you know if if he doesn't want to be called an addict don't call him an addict he doesn't want to you know he doesn't want to be told he's obsessive with pornography don't use the word obsessive it doesn't matter these are all just labels when you get to the fact language is just the way we codify things turn on a different turn on turn on univision or turn on something from france or russia you can't understand a damn word they're saying but you know they're saying stuff that other people understand it's a code that we all understand but the fact is whether it's russia or france or or mexico or here there are porn addicts all over the there are porn addicts all over the world there are heroin addicts all over the world there are gambling addicts all over the world no matter what we call it because it's just sounds coming out of our mouth what we need to do is deal with the internal behavior and and all those fun little chemicals you know roaming around our head telling us to do the wrong stuff i i, I like the fact you talk about the terminology of it because <clears throat> me that we're dealing with addictions i hated going to those aa meetings and you had to say my name is larry and i'm a drug addict my name is larry and i'm an alcoholic i don't just the thought of that just it may be true once again matter of fact for a while i was a full-blown cocaine addict that may be true but i don't 
like you said, like, like you said right there, to have your partner, you already know you have, when you know you have a problem already, and you, have, you know you're at, you have addiction or you're basically an addict, and you've got your partner trying to help you, but your partner saying, yeah, you're an addict, it kind of double. It, it feels shameful. Yeah, and that, yeah. that's one of the things that, you know, uh, another one of the really important things that we push in the book, and that is one of the uh, titles of one of the modules of the online course, oh. is that I say that, you know, judgment, embarrassment, and shame will get you nowhere. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter what he's looking at. You know, he can be looking at some really that some stuff that just turns your stomach and is incredibly gross and if you run down all those genres of porn there are you're like oh my god there's a category for pregnant women there's a category for peeing on people there's a category for people who have sex with food and you're are people who really like elderly people in porn you know stuff that the average person isn't going to get or, or be attracted to but he may be but the important thing is not to make him feel bad about it. Right. You know, it, you you are not the porn that you look at, uh, especially when you're an addict. If you're an addict, odds are, like any other addiction, you have to amp it up after a while. Yep. The way that the way that beer becomes wine becomes hard liquor. The way that a hundred dollar bet becomes a five hundred dollar bet becomes a thousand dollar bet, just to get that same high you once got off of your substance, it has to be elevated and you yeah. know, vanilla porn between a guy and a girl may not do it for you after a while. You may need a, you know, three people and then three people and a midget and then, right. you know, five, five people, or something. Yeah, five people, two midgets and Irish, you know, leprechaun dancing around and people throwing fish sticks at each other and you just need to make it weirder and weirder. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it, he's, just, he's just watching this for the same high he used to get, but because he's been frying his dopamine receptors for so long, he needs to amp it up. So, you know, I, I, I put, do, do not uh, define him based on what he looks at. Uh, you know, I've had, I've had uh, women who are like, well, you know, my husband only likes Asian pornography. Does that mean that he wants to be with an Asian woman? And it's like, I don't know if he wants to be with an Asian woman. It means that's what got him off today. Right. You know, maybe tomorrow it'll be, you know, gay sex that gets him off. Doesn't mean he's gay. It just means he needs something else to reach that part of the brain that tickles it. I, I just hope, man, um, I just hope that the main thing, I, I, one of the main things I like about this and I hope is that you have a system. I see you have a system in this book. I hope this book's, book gets out to people early because like you just said, don't let it get to the fish stick stage, you know? Catch it. Right, well, that's it. Catch it as early as possible because it's going to get worse and worse. It's, that's well, something and, and it, well, and that's it because, you know, uh, and, and he's sitting there as an addict going, you know, holy crap, I am watching people throw yeah. fish sticks at each other and getting off on it, but that's what I need to get off and I can't stop this. So, yeah, and keep, it, keep in mind, just, just you as a person, me as a person, from when we've been little kids all the way up to today, when somebody judges us, when somebody shames us, we shut our mouths. We don't talk, we don't share with them. And if you as a partner want your addicted partner to be open with you, to share with you, you cannot 
bring a level of shame and judgment and embarrassment to it. You know, you can't, what the hell is wrong with you watching this stuff? How is it, you know, is do you really just want an Asian woman? Do you really want people throwing fish sticks at you? Is it an orgy what you really want? Well, you know what? It, it, it may or may not be what he really wants, but you can't make him feel bad about it. Right. And you can't make him, you know, I love my wife to death, love her to death. She watches some of the dumbest, stupid television shows that have ever been produced. And there are times where I'll be doing my work and I'm listening to her, listening to Teen Mom or the Kardashians oh, or yeah. whatever, whatever yeah. do it yourself, you know, let's build the doghouse of your dreams uh, type show she's watching. And I, I'm sometimes sitting here going, oh my God, I cannot believe I married somebody who finds this entertaining. But the fact is she finds it entertaining. What do I find entertaining? I find WWE entertaining. I know it's stupid, but I find it entertaining. What do I watch at night? Five nights a week, I watch Everybody Loves Raymond at night on, on the TV land. And I watch three hours of it. I've seen every episode of Everybody Loves Raymond probably 30 times to the point where if you ever have an episode where you just want to read scripts, I won't read the script because I can do almost every episode of Everybody Loves Raymond word for word. That is stupid, but it's what I do. So I don't judge her based on what she likes just because I don't like it. And she doesn't come in and say, oh my God, you're watching Monday Night Raw. I can't believe that. This is this is stupid. This is fake. It's like, I know it's stupid. And she knows Teen Mom is stupid. She knows the Kardashians is stupid, but it's just what we like. It's what we do. And it's the same in any aspect of life, especially when you're talking about something as serious as an addiction. You cannot make the person feel bad about it. You've got to make them you've got to make your partner feel like they're in a safe space. If they feel like yeah. they're in a safe space where they're not going to be berated, they're not going to be belittled, they will open up to you. Now, you may not want them to completely open up to you, and there's a process yeah. for them to get open up to you that we talk about, because disclosure is not something that should happen on the couch on a Tuesday night. It's something that should happen with a facilitator who knows how to handle it. Yeah. Um, but if you do want communication and you do and you absolutely need communication to be part of the recovery process, you can't make him feel worse than he already does. And trust me, he does feel bad. Right. When everything when everything about me came out and I was telling my wife about stuff, she didn't ask a lot of questions because I think she recognized it. I felt bad about it already. You know, our, our disclosure was a lot of headlines. And that's what there are some women who are like, I want to know every last thing. It's like, yeah. you say you want to know every last thing. <laughs> but do you, do you really and do you need to? Or do you just need the headlines? You know, I can tell my wife, well, at the, excuse me, at the very end of my addiction, the last four or five months, well, um, ultimately I was probably looking at porn twice a day, sometimes three times a day, probably two to three hours total. And uh, yeah, I was actually going into chat rooms and talking with, with, with women in there. I said, oh my God, you were talking with women? Yes, do you think that's cheating? Looking back now, yes, I absolutely think that's cheating. I think it was absolutely wrong. Okay, well, as long as you understand that. Okay, she doesn't need to know what I was talking about with women. She doesn't need to know what they showed me or didn't show me, what we talked about. She knows that I went into these places. She knows that I understand it's cheating. She knows that I don't do that as part of my recovery. So what is there to be gained 
by going through transcripts of the conversations I had with women with a fine-toothed comb, except the fact that it's going to drive her crazy. It's going to make me feel worse. It's going to make the whole situation worse. Um, there's no reason if 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 uh, healing is something that is necessary, is something that is wanted. You can't be nitpicking every little thing that he did. Uh, you can't be making him feel bad about every little thing he did. And, and yes, you feel bad. You as a partner have been dragged through the mud. You did not ask for this. You probably even threw out there a few times that you didn't want to go down this road and this is where you find yourself. Is it fair? Absolutely not. Do you have the right to walk away? Absolutely. And in a lot of cases, uh, when women try to fix things and it doesn't get fixed, I tell them, you know, there are just some situations that aren't fixable. Um, thankfully, my situation was fixable and, I, and I, I'm so glad that it was, but staying isn't always the answer and leaving isn't always the answer. And we just urge, take a step back, breathe for a moment, don't judge, you know, don't nitpick every little thing you need to uh, create a strategy, take a few breaths, you know, aside from this pornography thing, is your marriage pretty good? I mean, honestly, is it pretty good? Um, if it is, then if he will take the steps to get into recovery, and remember, recovery is not an overnight thing, it takes a while. Yeah. If he will take the steps to recover, you know, are you willing to stay there and stand by his side and encourage him? And if he's not willing to take those steps, uh, you either have to decide it's not worth being here, you have to decide I'm going to lay down the law and create so boundaries, some like you're about. boundaries yep. which, which if he if he doesn't, uh, or if he crosses these boundaries, there are going to be consequences, or you have to decide that, you know what, it is just simply not worth it, and I'm walking away. And all of those all of those positions are absolutely valid because, you know, we, we preach in this book, you have to do what's right for you. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you are only accountable for yourself. You are the only person who is going to get you healthy. Just like you can scream and yell and offer him money and offer whatever you want. You cannot force him into recovery. He has to make the decision to get into recovery. He has to make the decision to stay in recovery and to continue to work recovery every day for the rest of his life. Um, and, and, and I do that. It's, it's, it works for me and it's fine. And I much prefer my new lifestyle. Um, and if my wife came to me tomorrow and said, well, um, we're getting a divorce because of X, Y, and Z, I would continue to live this recovery lifestyle for myself. Yourself, I, don't, yeah. I don't do it just for her. I do it for myself. She had, my wife had to go through a lot. She ended up going uh, about a year after uh, it came out that I was a porn addict and she saw a therapist for a while. She recognized, you know, she really stopped taking care of herself towards the end of my addiction. Um, and there were other things going on. My businesses were failing. I was in a deep depression. It was it was just not a good time to be around here. Um, and she put on a ton of weight and she was not having healthy eating habits. And she went through the bariatric program at a local hospital, actually the hospital she works at. And she went and got the lap band surgery and she now weighs a hundred pounds less than she did at the end of my uh, addiction time. Hmm. Because, but the thing is, 
I could go up to her and say, my God, would you lose some weight? Or my God, look at yourself. Yeah, yeah, Just because yeah, I was yeah. addicted doesn't mean you had to eat all that. You know, I, I, I can go up to her. I can say that, even though you know, it's a horrible thing to say. I could say that stuff to her, but it's not going to fix anything. She had to decide on her own that she wanted to go through this program. And it's not easy to go through one of these bariatric programs. I've heard about that. Only one out of three or four women actually enter the program and then nine months later go get the surgery. Most women fall off the wagon somewhere along the way because you have to meet a lot of benchmarks. Um, she, she stuck to it because it was important to her. And I encouraged her and I told her how, you know, I'm proud of you doing this and this will be so much better for your health. But ultimately, she had to be the one to do it. Like I had to be the one to recover. And the only person who is ultimately going to look out for your health is you. If it is not a healthy situation for you to stay in the marriage, even if he gets into recovery, you should not stay in the marriage. You need to do what's healthy for yourself. And sometimes that is staying. Sometimes that is, you know, waiting. Or do it. Whatever it is for you, and that's the thing that we drive home, is that we're not going to tell you to stay and be a glutton for punishment. We're not going to tell you to leave and go live your, you know, true, genuine life. We're going to tell you to read the information, synthesize the information, take a step back, take a deep breath yes a lot of women when they find out they want to kill the guy and they want to run to their friends and listen to their friends bash their guy yeah. well unfortunately what happens after that is reconciliation and then you're left with friends who said horrible things about your your husband or yeah, boyfriend yeah. who yeah. feel who feel like assholes because now they have to try to take it back you're still and, together. You're, you're, yeah they're still together it's like uh, yeah yeah so that's that's the, that's what we talk about a lot in, in this book is that you know just try to take a breath try to calm yeah. down take a step back make a plan because acting rashly in these situations even if everything ends up okay in the end acting rashly usually leaves scars acting rashly uh leaves resentments acting rashly digs the hole even deeper uh, and you may not know whether you want to stay or not if you don't know, that's fine. That actually makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, if I found myself in the same situation my wife did, I probably would be questioning whether I was staying or going. Um, that's okay. Uh, just use your brain and you know, you know, think a little bit slowly about things. There's a fascinating book out there by Daniel Kahneman called Thinking Fast and Slow. And it talks about how we make snap decisions and some of them are great and how we make long-term decisions and some of them are great. And it depends on different situations, whether you should go with your gut or whether you should go with a long-term belief. And this is one of those situations where going with your gut may not be the best thing right away. If you need to get, you need to send him to his parents' house or his brother's house, go for it. You need to get away, go for it. Uh, whatever it is you need to do, that's cool. But what, you know, we, like I said, we really push in this book that uh, calming down, taking a deep breath, trying to understand the situation more from a scientific or psychological point of view and understanding that he's not there to hurt you. You're not there to hurt him. And you're not the problem. You've got a sick person. Right. You've got a sick person here. You didn't cause him to be sick. You probably have some things going on with yourself as a result of being around him. Right. But in the end, it can be fixable. It can't always be fixable, but it can be fixable. And if you want it to be fixable, there's a way about going things. And, and you guys have the plan. Um, before we go, 
Name of the book. You let people know once again, name of the book and the instruction, the, the, the course, and how they can get both of these things for us. All right. Well, the book is called He's a Porn Addict, Now What? An Expert and a Former Porn Addict Answer Your Questions. Uh, that's available on Amazon if you want to go search either the authors or the title. You can also go to my website. My website is recoveringpornaddict.com. And on the website, right on the front page where you see the different categories, I have just added a little, uh, you'll see the logo U for the website Udemy, which is an online course offering website. It's right on there. Click on it. Uh, right now it's $19.99 and putting it out there very cheaply uh, because I want people to try it. I want people to rate it. Um, I can't promise you that if somebody's watching this in a year, it's still going to be $19.99 because that's really $19.99 is 15 minutes of professional therapy. And I think that there's a hell of a lot more than you're going to get out of a full hour professional therapy packed into this one course. So people can check it out. Uh, And like I, I said on your last episode, you can get my other books there. There's a lot of resources for the addicts. I write a couple articles every week about uh, what's happening in the world of recovery or pornography or just stories about my life. Um, I I try to update it multiple times a week. So check out recoveringpornaddict.com and everything you possibly need is there. And if you don't see it, you can at least contact me and I'll tell you where to find it. There it is. Joshua Shea. S-H-E-A. Yes, sir. (laughs) S-H-E-A. Well, thank you, man. I got it. Yeah, right there in the front. <laughs> Larry, thank you. Thank you once again for letting me come on your show. I always have a good time. I love it, man. And um, yeah, I was going to have a fish dinner tonight, but I think I'm going to pass. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I probably killed fish sticks for a I'm while. I'm looking at it right now. Like, maybe not tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. Or, or, or maybe that's exactly what you want tonight. You know what? I like where you're going with <laughs> All right, well, thank you, man. And uh, we'll do this again sometime. Everybody, uh, just like to say thank you to my special guest, Joshua Shea, episode 162. That is a wrap. And usual, as usual, I have no idea what the next episode will be about. But when I know, I'll let you know. Thanks, John. All right. See you later. <laughs>